This is TM Camp, and you're listening to the podcast edition of my novel, Assam and Darjeeling. Book Two The Winter Palace. Chapter Nine G and the Queen sat together in a little kitchen, waiting for a kettle to boil. This isn't the main kitchen, of course, Winterly told her. The main kitchen is massive. You could feed an army out of that kitchen. In fact, I think my husband actually did that once upon a time. But it's too big a place to make a nice cup of tea. She was sitting on a little window seat. A tabby cat hopped up beside her and stretched out on his back, offering his tummy for scratching. Yes, Winterly said to the cat, obliging him. Yes, it's just too big for us, isn't it? The cat didn't answer. He was a stray, the queen told G. There were lots of strays, apparently. She left out food for them. One day there he was, shivering, whimpering, and half-starved. What could she do but bring him in? I couldn't just leave you, Winterly said to the cat. You were so cute and frozen. She winked at the girl, sitting on the counter dangling her feet. He was out in the cold, she said. He had frostbite and pneumonia, and we would have lost him but for my husband's care. He stayed up all night for days, caring for him, nursing him back to health. He saved him. She scratched the cat, rubbing her fingertips under his chin and over the back of his head. G could hear the cat's purr from where she was sitting across the room. Well, almost. He saved most of them. Winterly rubbed the little brown nubs where the cat's ears should have been. By the time he found us, the frostbite had gotten most of them. It was true. The cat had no ears, just small rounded flaps that gave him an odd bear-like appearance. He's my little cubby, the queen said in a baby voice that from anyone else would have made G gag. Winterly pulled it off, though. She rubbed the cat's belly again. But he's safe and warm now, aren't you, Vincent? No more roaming around like the rest of the bad kitties. On the little stove, the kettle started building up to a high, wet whistle. The cat leapt up in alarm and streaked out of the room. Coward. You'd think he'd never heard the kettle before. Winterly rose and went to the cupboard over the stove, taking out a small, light blue tin overlaid with gold curlicues. She removed the lid and raised the tin to her nose. Mmm. She held it out for the girl. Smell this. G leaned forward and sniffed. Chocolate. She expected to see powdered cocoa inside the tin. Instead, she was surprised to see it was half full with what looked like black crumbled leaves. What is it? It's chocolate tea, the queen said, spooning a few mounds into the mugs waiting on the counter. I don't know how they make it, and I don't actually like the way it tastes, but it smells wonderful, and when it's all gone, I'm going to keep my earrings and necklaces in the tin, because it's so pretty, and maybe they'll end up smelling like chocolate, which is pretty good perfume if you stop to think about it. She nodded, very far away. Winterly tapped the lid back down on the tin. What's the matter? She shrugged. She honestly didn't know. Her mind was a muddle of worries. Her brother, her mother, 
She felt the tug of them in her heart, but she was starting to feel another tug on her as well, and it hurt. Don't worry, Winterly said. Everything is going to be okay. My husband is going to help your brother. You're going to find your mother. You're all going to make it home safe and sound. She grinned brightly. And even if you don't, you'll still be okay. I'll make sure of it. You'll always be welcome here if you have nowhere else. That didn't sound too bad to G, but a thought struck her. What about the king? He may be the king, Winterly said, but I'm his wife. You'll learn one day, perhaps, what a powerful thing that can be. She leaned forward and whispered, In some ways, it's actually much better than being king. G smiled, and then, wonderfully, the, king, the queen kissed her on her forehead. Winterly took up the kettle and filled each of the mugs. The little tabby appeared in the doorway, eyeing the stove warily. He walked around the opposite side of the room and hopped back up on the window seat. He's a good boy, the queen called out in her sing-song voice. He's a good boy. She held out one of the mugs to G. Do you like it here? The girl asked, blowing the steam rising from the top of her cup. Winterly studied the cat, already asleep, fondly. For a moment, G thought that perhaps the queen hadn't heard her. Then, she said, I like it here. She studied the surface of the tea, tapping the side of the cup with her fingertip, making it ripple. I like being here in this room with you and Vincent. She lifted the cup to her lip and took an experimental sip but the tea was still too hot. And I like feeding the bad kitties every morning and having tea in the solarium. And, she added, almost as an afterthought, I like my trees. I like waiting for them to blossom. When will they blossom? She thought she knew the answer already. And I love my husband. I loved him from the moment I first saw him. How did you meet? Ah, well, Winterly sighed, sending a ripple of colored fabric down her figure. That is quite a story. She took her cup back over to the window seat and sat down next to the sleeping cat. She could tell that Winterly wanted to tell it, her story. The girl waited, taking a sip of her tea. Winterly was right. It smelled wonderful, but it was bitter and chalky. She set the mug down on the counter. He's much older than me. Much older, Winterly said. I've known him all my life, or at least I've known of him. As strange as this might sound to you, he's my uncle. He's your uncle? Up until this point, G had been expecting a romantic story, like something from a storybook with woodland creatures singing songs and making wedding dresses. Winterly shrugged. He's my mother's brother, which sounds a bit creepy, I know, but it really is quite tame considering some of the things that go on in my family. Like what? Winterly took a breath. Believe me, you don't want to know. G noticed that the queen wasn't drinking her tea either, although she was raising the mug from time to time in order to breathe in the sweet dark steam. So, he's my uncle. 
my mother's brother, which is fine and not that odd when you remember that my father is my mother's other brother. She gaped. Your uncle is your dad? And my husband is my uncle, Winterly nodded. Just one big happy family. Actually, that sounds more than a bit creepy. She wished she hadn't said it, but it was too late. What about your mom? My mother is just my mother, fortunately. The queen rose. Oops, I almost forgot to feed the bad kitties. She went to a cupboard under the sink and took out a large jar filled about halfway with what looked like to G cat food. Come and see, she said to the girl. At the far end of the kitchen there was a small door, cold winter light coming through the panes of glass. The queen opened the door and a wave of cold air drifted in. G peeked out the doorway. There was a small porch out there, wooden steps leading down to a snow-covered path flanked by shrubs stripped bare of their leaves. A stack of flower pots tilted uneasily to one side of the door. Next to it, a large, pale green plate lay on the porch, dusted with snow. Here and there, G could see the paw prints around the plate, blurred by the new snowfall. The queen handed the jar to G and picked up the plate to dust it off. G noticed that the food in the jar was, more or less, identical to the cat food they had at home, shaped like little tiny brown X's. Like kisses for the kitties, her mother used to say. Winterly put the plate back down. Do you want to put it out for him? G nodded, unscrewing the top and squatting down next to the plate. The jar was big and a little heavy. She tipped it over carefully and dumped out some food onto the plate. The sound was very loud, like sudden rain against the window of her room back home. How much should I do? she asked Winterly. I don't know, about twice that much, the queen said. There's a lot of them this year, and they need their crunchies. G tipped the jar again and poured until it was almost empty. Is this enough? Winterly shrugged. Might as well dump it all out there. They'll eat it. G did, and then screwed the top of the jar back on, handing it back to the queen. How many cats are there? Nine or ten, at least. Winterly gazed out into the winter landscape beyond the porch. There's an orange one with freckled paws named Stoltz, and a gray one that I call Scott because he has a white neck and chest, so it looks like he's wearing an ascot. What's an ascot? It's like a tire scarf, the queen thought for a moment. And there's Blackie and Carol and Autumn. I call her that because she's all speckled like a pile of dead leaves. And there's Chesterton and Luther and Alice. Alice is a big fluffy thing, like a big dust mop with feet. She hefted the empty jar. There's a few others that I haven't named yet. And there's also a skunk that wanders by sometimes and cuts in line to steal his share. A skunk? The queen nodded. Uh-huh. And the rest of them hate it, but they don't do anything because, you know, because he'd squirt them all stinky. Winterly nodded. Where are they? They're hiding, probably. They won't come up until we go back inside. They're too scared. The queen broke off for a moment. Her face crumbled into sadness. I sit out here sometimes, 
she said. I'll see them out here waiting. I don't mind the cold. I can wait a long time, but so can they. I suppose their fear is stronger than their hunger. She took a deep breath and looked at G, her smile still a little sad around the edges. They're out there right now, probably, watching and waiting. After we go in, they'll come up and eat, one by one. Are they real cats? G asked. How do you mean? Are they alive or are they ghosts? Winterly took a step back and cocked her head at the girl. Do you know, I honestly have never thought of that before. I have no idea. She shrugged. Either way, they're hungry and cold. I wish they would let me bring them in. Maybe once they get used to you, G said. How long have you been feeding them? Winterly looked at the girl for a moment and then looked away. Long enough for them to get used to me. She tugged on G's hood. Come on, let's go back in so they can eat their crunchies. G nodded and the queen held the door open for her. Are you cold? Winterly asked, closing the door once they were inside. I'm going to make some more tea. Would you like some? No, I'm not cold. Winterly nodded. Probably not in boots and snow pants, huh? Sorry, I wasn't thinking. It's okay, G said. It's winter back, um, it's winter back home. Lucky thing for you, the queen said, picking up the kettle and shaking it to make sure there was still water inside. Otherwise, you might have frozen to death out there by the river. She turned a knob and the burner burst into flame that was so blue in the dim light of the kitchen that it made G feel somehow all cold and shivery. G nodded, thinking about the cats. Where did they go? she asked. The cats, I mean. She stood on her tiptoes and peered out the window. A small, orange and white cat was walking halfway up the steps. It froze when it saw her, motionless and wary. Slowly it made its way up to the plate. It started to eat, never once taking its eyes off of her. Someone's here, G whispered. The orange one, he's eating. Winterly came over quietly and peered through the window. That's Stoltz. Once he's gone, it's usually Scott's turn. Where do they live? G asked. I have no idea, Winterly said quietly. For all I know, they have warm homes and loving families. They probably just come here for the free food. Are there other homes? The queen shrugged. Here and there. Where? Some are here in this world, some actually in yours, but close to one of the borders, one of the soft places. Cats can come and go where they like, above and below. They know all the secret doors and paths. Outside, the orange cat named Stoltz finished eating and sat for a few moments, cleaning its face and whiskers. Can we go out and sit for a bit? Maybe one of them will come up while we're there. The queen shook her head. It's too cold, sweetheart. Your ears would freeze off and then you'd be just like Vincent. She directed this last bit to the dozing cat on the window seat. At the sound of his name, he raised his head and blinked slowly. 
I don't mind the cold, she said, aware that she was starting to whine a little. Maybe so, Winterly said, but that doesn't mean you don't get cold. I like winter. So do I. The queen went to the stove and turned down the flame just before the kettle began to whistle. I like it very much, especially taking long walks. I love how quiet and clean everything is. But it can be lonely, too. Outside, the orange cat finished up its bath and slunk off down the steps. Come back over here and let me make you another cup of tea. G reluctantly tore herself away from the door and sat down on the window seat. The tabby, Vincent, opened his eyes briefly at the intrusion and then closed them again. Do you want more of the chocolate kind or something else? Winterly was staring indecisively at the kettle. Um, something else, please, G said, hoping the queen wouldn't be offended. Winterly nodded. She picked up their cups and dumped them out into the sink, rinsing them. I can't help it. Every time I hope it'll taste as good as it smells, but it never does. She opened the cupboard and inspected the various tins and boxes inside. G could see that a few she recognized from their own cupboards back home. She wondered if there was a grocery store somewhere. She tried to imagine the queen pushing a shopping cart up and down the aisles. Maybe the statues went shopping for her. Now, Winterly said to herself, what kind of tea should we have? She turned to look at G. Anything you're particularly fond of? I've got lots of different kinds. I don't know, the girl answered. I've never actually had tea before today. The queen raised her eyebrows. Really? Well, you could have fooled me. She turned back to the cupboard and reached out for a box, stopped, and let her fingertips drift over the others on the shelf. Um, I'm thinking maybe... Ooh, how about this? She grabbed a tin and shook it. Sounds like there's just enough for two cups, I think. G got up and came over to watch while the queen, Winterly, hung little metal wire baskets off of the rim of each cup and dropped a spoonful of the dark leaves into each of them. While she was pouring the water, G picked up the empty tin on the counter and held it up to her nose. It wasn't chocolate. A deeper, richer smell drifted inside there like clean, fresh earth. There was the faint hint of flowers underneath it all. In her mind, she saw colors, rich browns and delicate lavenders flowing together like flowers waving in the wind. She read the name off of the side of the tin. Darjeeling. She looked up at Winterly. The queen handed her one of the mugs. Together they went over and sat down at the table. The queen looked at the cat dozing on the window seat. These are good days for naps, she said. Winter afternoons always make me want one. She took a sip from her cup. A cup of tea, a walk, and a nap. Not necessarily in that order. She nodded and tried her tea. It was as good as, if not better, than it smelled. As much as I like winter, the queen went on, I can't help but miss the spring. All that life coming back, everything waking up, just thinking about it. 
she trailed off. What's wrong? Winterly ran her finger through the circle of condensation her cup left on the table. I miss my mother. It's been so long since I've seen her. Why? She wasn't exactly thrilled with my marriage. At first, she felt my father had betrayed her by promising me to his brother. It all happened behind her back. She shook her head. She was angry with him, so angry. She turned everything upside down. What happened? Winterly looked out the window at the falling snow. Turned out, in the end, I was the one who betrayed her. How? Winterly looked at her. What did that girl tell you? The one in the diner. What was her name? Susan? Sarah. Sarah, the queen nodded. What did she tell you? She squinted, remembering. She said you fell in love. Winterly tilted her head and smiled ruefully. Well, there you go. That's what I did. I don't understand. She was actually starting to, but she wanted to hear more of the story. Neither did my mother, Winterly said. After all she'd done to save me from this terrible place, to bring me back from the horrors below, she caught herself, stopped, and went on without the mocking tone. My husband would have let me go if I'd asked. I'd been promised to him. I was to be his single spark of warmth in this cold and lifeless place, but he would have given it up, given me up, to make things right, to make me happy. What happened? The time came when I had to make a choice. Winterly squeezed her hands together. And I chose my husband. She sat back. Was she angry? You bet she was angry. But mostly, mostly I think she was hurt. She didn't understand. She thought about this for a while. She wasn't so sure she understood either, not completely. On one hand, it seemed like an easy choice, a new life for an old one. On the other, she thought, whatever was chosen, whatever was gained, the choosing also took something away, something irreplaceable. It was a choice you made when you had to make a choice, not one that you went looking for. It was as much a choice to lose something as to get something. Choosing to save yourself, choosing to save someone else, either way, someone was lost. I bet he was happy, your husband, she said. I bet he was glad that you decided to stay with him. The queen did not say anything for a very long time. I expect that he was, she said at last. But... I think he would have been relieved as well, had I gone. This made no sense to G. Who wouldn't want her to stay? Why? Well, the queen said, he'd grown accustomed to being alone. I think having me here made him more shy than ever. The 
Those first few months were awful. We barely spoke. Every time I'd track him down in this lovely maze, he'd make some excuse and disappear as fast as he could. I went days without seeing him at all. Days? Sometimes longer. All of the spark had drained out of Winterly's voice, her good humor and smiles, even the little sad knowing ones she was so good at, they were gone. She looked very tired. I can't remember the last time I saw my husband, she said to G. And I can't remember the last time I wanted to. Winterly turned to look out the window. But I still love him. Isn't that horrible? It was, very much so, and all G could do was sit and watch her cry. You've been listening to Assam and Darjeeling, written and performed by T.M. Camp. A new chapter from the book is available each week, free to download at the iTunes Store. To find out more about Assam and Darjeeling, to read my weblog, or to send me your questions and feedback, visit my website at www.tmcamp.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you soon. This podcast was written, performed, and produced by T.M. Camp and may not be copied, distributed, transcribed, or otherwise reproduced without his express written permission. Before requesting permission, check with your doctor to find out if Assam and Darjeeling is right for you. Some listeners have reported cases of drowsiness, confusion, or extreme paranoia. Assam and Darjeeling has also been known to cause dementia and hallucinations in some younger listeners. If you or your children experience any of these symptoms, discontinue use immediately and contact a medical professional as death may be imminent. Unless otherwise noted, all contents of this production are copyright 2008, TM Camp. All rights reserved.